Hi, I'm Dan from Desert Island Dicks, which today features comedian and host of the MASH Report, Steve N. Allen. This was recorded about a month ago at the start of March when we were allowed to roam freely and no one really knew what was going to happen with the coronavirus and everything. So we were in a studio for this one which kind of seems odd now that I'm used to just recording them on a laptop on my bed. But um, I just wanted to pop up here and say that if you like this podcast, then please like, rate and subscribe. And here is Desert Island Dicks with Steve N. Allen. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to you. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian and podcaster Steve N. Allen. Hello. What I was going to do before is check that you're happy with comedian and podcaster as a title. Yeah, I mean, yes. Okay. Let's not check to see if I'm successful in either two of those categories. <laughs> let's just take it as a given and let's claim it. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you for coming in. Um, uh, you know what? To start off with, may I offer you in these uh, coronavirus-heavy times an uh, antibacterial hand wipe? Oh, I'd love one, please. Uh, so thank you. Let's have a little... Because uh, I, I imagine this is the first thing that you would take to a desert island. Well, I think these days, yeah, or maybe you're safer on a desert island, that's the thing. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's got the whiff of the cruise ship to it. Yeah. That's the thing, though, isn't it? If, yeah. you, if you're on there with someone, you're going to get it, and the entertainment's rubbish. So, Mmm, <laughs> oh, scented. Mm, yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank it you. feels quite lavish these days, yeah. isn't it? This has suddenly become the real currency. Yeah. I mean, we are a step away from being the full Howard Hughes living in a sealed-up room <laughs> and peeing into a jar. And so what, like, everyone else is panic-buying toilet roll. What I'm doing is panic-buying jars... <laughs> Got a pee somewhere. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, nice. Uh, well, thank you, though, for coming in. Um, how have you found the process of, of choosing the dicks? Really difficult. So, I've yeah, I've spent um, the last couple of years of my life trying to give up hate, trying to be, you know, I've realised there's no point. Everyone carries with them so much angst and anger and there's no point accusing someone of the thing you hate because then they'll get defensive and then you get a little battling. I'm, I realised, you know, you know, they're right. You've just got to let it all go. Yeah. Just breathe and, and forgive and all this rubbish. Um, and then you've really undone all that for me. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Maybe it could be like a little safety valve, just release just enough to sort of keep you back on an even keel for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's wise actually, because we're in a building where if I went up to the roof, you get a good line of sight. So it's good that I don't go too far. Yeah. <laughs> good. Okay, well, let's dive in. Uh, who's going to be your first dick? Uh, it's Mark Sargent. Okay. Yeah. And so for people who, who aren't familiar with Mark Sargent... So there'll be a lot of them, which is good. It's good. In fact, I almost straight away, I regret the fact that I'm giving more, more airtime to him. But it's what he stands for. Mark Sargent is one of the Flat Earthers. And he's right. very prominent in the Flat Earther community. I first noticed him in the Netflix TV thing, um, Beyond the Curve. Mm. And, it, and this is not going to be an argument about why Flat Earthers are wrong. Because, again, it's the same thing that I've learned over the last few years. There's no point arguing with people. They've got their beliefs. Do whatever you want. No one's going to die from thinking the Earth is flat. And actually, in this new serene Steve, I've realised, you know what? The Earth is such a big globe that it almost looks flat. So they're only a little bit wrong. On a local (laughs) level, they're only a little bit wrong. Um, It's the attitude that bothers me. Mm. Oh, man alive. So I saw um, saw some... I obviously saw that show, the the Netflix one. There's also a thing on um, Discovery Channel where they proved to him that the Earth is round. And it's just that kind of like, well, you know, flawed experiment, wasn't it? And I've, I've had many arguments with uh, flat earthers, and it is that attitude of, 
maybe you should actually educate yourself a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. why is it that I don't get to be that patronising to them, but they do to me? So yeah. I've, I've chatted with various in the past, and that um, one of them was saying, like, you know, maybe you should educate yourself in science. Mm. And that's what I did before I did comedy and all this life, right? <laughs> so that was, I was a scientist at university. Right. And then they have that attitude of, well, you believe everything they teach at the universities today. You're believing everything from YouTube. Why yeah. is mine <laughs> rubbish, but you're, you're one step above getting a GCSE in TikTok. Why is yours better than mine? And it is, it is that attitude. And I, it's also the, uh, the logic mm. that really bothers me. And the logic is, um, if they say something that I can't thoroughly disprove, they must be right then. Mm. And that's that's not actually how proving stuff works, is it? No, exactly. It's it it's, feels like with all these sort of things, it's like arguing with a bouncer, you know, and it's just this <laughs> awful circular argument. You just you're never going to win. You might as well just walk away and find somewhere else to drink, you yeah. know. But actually, I, I also think there's um, the reason it seems that all flat earthers have this attitude is because the ones that don't will never hear about. Mm. There is something genius marketing of having that patronising attitude from a point of view that looks so ridiculous mm. uh, to, to you know to us globe believers i mean there are so many arguments like you know why would anyone uh, come up with this conspiracy that it's circular what difference does it make who's making money out of this yeah and the only people who would be are those people who make the drinks cabinets in the shape of a globe but, <laughs> very good point but if it were a flat earth they'd make a tray yeah they'd exactly. make as much money yeah it's got a lovely table with some drinks on <laughs> the table people would be all over this wouldn't they <laughs> so uh, yeah it's it's the attitude um that draws you in so you get annoyed by it it's like starbucks spelling your name wrong mm. they do it deliberately so then you take a picture of it you put it on social media and you go can't believe they spelled ah. steve with 15 so that's a conspiracy theory I could get behind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's that attitude that draws you in, which means we we argue. And I know I should argue more about the anti-vaxxers because people might die from them. Mm. But I I really believe the flat earthers to be the roots of this this. And actually, it's not just flat earthers. It's, it is conspiracy theorists. It's people who believe in ghosts and say it quietly. It's a little bit of religion. Um, where if the you know if you can't thoroughly disprove uh, everything they've just said, all of their beliefs must be right. Yeah, yeah. It's. I watched um, a, a clip of this guy, and he was on This Morning with Phil yes. and um, Holly, and they, they, it's amazing to watch because just seeing Holly Willoughby, she's just looking so professional. Her smile never leaves her lips, but you can tell she's just absolutely incandescent with rage inside. It's a beautiful. I mean, just she really earns her money that day. You yeah. know, she's just going. You can't be serious. I mean, but she looks absolutely radiant throughout, and uh, it's a credit to her. Yeah, and that's the thing. They, they, they shouldn't be rage. Do you know what? If you think it's flat, good luck to you. I'm not going to make... It mm. makes no difference to me, but it is the patronising attitude from a point of view mm. of what I think is stupidity that just winds us all right up and it gets really... I get angry, and I don't like getting angry, and that's why me on a desert island with this guy, and all we would do, we'd spend all of our time just going... How do you account for the sun doing what it's doing right now? And he'd have some, oh, you believe you believe uh, Newton, do you? Yeah, I guess I probably do, because the laws of uh, <laughs> Newton's three laws tend to work unless you're on the quantum level. Oh, you believe that because you read it in a book. Oh, what? Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it would be the most infuriating person to be stuck with. I, I think I agree with you. It's that thing of kind of, one, that I've seen that documentary on Netflix. Well, I haven't watched it, but I've seen it's there. And every now and again, I go, oh, do I open Pandora's box? Or am I just going to be sitting there with clenched fists and teeth? all evening in my free time yeah. you know it's a very hard one to gauge you have to be in a very specific mood to deal with this sort of person I think do it watch it because there's a lovely bit and this is not on the Mark Sargent strand this is uh, some of the other ones who have crowdfunded like 15 grand to buy this really sensitive device that can measure effectively the change of angle it's like a gyroscope mm. and if you tilt it it will be able to measure that and they say you know 
if these globe people arrive, it'll measure 15 degrees per hour or something today. I can't remember the, the numbers. And actually will prove that it's not, so it's flat. And it comes up bang on 15 degrees, whatever whatever their worst fear was. And straight away they go, yeah, we just need to crowdfund for an even more uh, expensive one because this is not sensitive <laughs> enough. And that, that tells you all the information you need to know about the direction of this. They yeah. will never change their minds, and that's fine. But I don't want to be patronised for believing something that really kind of makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, poor and old it, Phil and Holly. Yeah, it's that sort of sit back, fold your arms and smile kind of benignly at you. Like, oh, you poor fool. Yeah. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they like So I, we interviewed one once when I did a radio show a while ago. And I, this still winds me up. Um, I was saying, go on then, prove it to me. And they have the attitude, I don't need to prove it to you, actually. If you look, just look, Steve, with your mm. eyes. The, the, the world is flat. Have you seen it? And I said, look, I, I believe that it's such a big big sphere and I'm such a tiny person that for me it looks a little bit flat. That seems ridiculous, Steve. Just think about it. And I say, okay, then, you know when you get a plane that flies around, let's say, you know, you go America, mm. Europe, off to Russia, what's it doing in your world's view? And they say it's going around like a big disc. And I say, okay, surely pilots would be reporting that they have to keep knocking the steering wheel to the right a little bit <laughs> yeah. to make a circle. And he said, no, it's such a big circle, you don't really feel that it's a curve. <laughs> oh, why are you out in the world doing that? So, if their mission was to wind me up, they did it successfully. Oh, man, I can feel my own bile <laughs> rising slightly. Okay, so Mark Sargent goes on the island, and, uh, yeah, I think he'd be an absolute nightmare to be stuck with. Okay, uh, let's go on to your second dick. Who are they? It's Claude from The Apprentice. <sighs> Claude, okay. Yeah, this is controversial, I know, because a lot of people like him, and he might not be the worst person on The Apprentice. Mm. I, that was my first objection to myself, was surely anyone for the, the Apprentice would be horrible. And I watch it every year, because I love seeing these business people with so much self-confidence, they are brimming with hubris, get fired. It's brilliant. Yeah. For the first few series, I used to not like the final, because one of them won. Mm. But then I realised, whoever comes second also lost. Yes. It's something for everyone. Yeah. It's something. And you could argue maybe the person that wins doesn't re you know, he just gets locked into quite a, a contract with Alan Sugar that probably isn't that beneficial for yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, that is nice, isn't it? So, uh, for the avoidance of doubt, Claude is, he, in the original series, he was one of the sort of four very tough interrogators yeah. when they were really testing their mettle. And then he became one of the right-hand men. Yeah, he replaced Nick. And during that role, look, the, 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 I know the gig. I understand mm. the gig is to have, have a dismissive face when the people are doing things. And in the edit, it will always look like you're right. Because when they are working out, oh, should we go high price or low price, pull a face like you've just you know, sucked a lemon mm. and then go, mm. And in the edit, it turns out you're, you're a genius. But in the moment, you're, you're no better yeah. at working out how much a punt stick should sell for. <laughs> Let's not pretend you're that good. But it is the interview phase that winds me up so much. Because everyone on The Apprentice, they, they all have that attitude of like, I'm really good at selling. Mm -hmm. uh, I could sell sand to you on this desert island, Steve. I'm so good at selling. I would just sell. I'm like the prison in prisoner cell block H. I'm like, sell, 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 and a lot of ladies. <laughs> um, and so you hate them. And then Claude made me feel sympathy for them. And that's what I hate. Right. Oh, because he puts them through the ringer so much yeah. that you kind of think, oh, back off. They're okay. They're doing their best. Yeah. He, he effectively, he's normalising bullying in, in business. Because mm. you watch that show and you think, oh, right, so if you go for an interview at some high level, you expect someone to assassinate you with nothing other than what looks like a face filled with hatred. Yeah. Why is that right? Yeah. It shouldn't be right. I think The Apprentice, I've always felt, is one of those shows where you get a lot of people going... So the thing is, in business, you know, you've got to be ruthless. You know, in business, there's no rules. You know, all's fair in love and business. And it's like, they use the word business as a get-out of having any moral code yes. whatsoever. 
And he's like the sort of king of that, you know, he's at the top of the pyramid sitting there going, well, in business, you see, you know, I didn't get to where I am by being a nice guy. And you yes. just think, yeah, but, I mean, how many friends have you got? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it just seems so skewed. And there have to be nice businessmen out there. It can't just be these awful people. It should be rewarded instead of rewarding the horribleness. Yeah. And you've hit the net. You see this? I used to be calm for three years <laughs> until you made this happen to me. I'm sorry. But, the, the, you hit the nail on the head with that, I didn't get where I am today by being nice. That sentence is exactly what's wrong in the world. Because it doesn't prove that you got where you are by being not nice. It's one of those, you've really got to get mm. stuck in the grammar and the logic of it. It might be irrelevant to your success that you are just a hideous person. But by putting them in a sentence and implying causality, it seems like, well, you've got to put up with me effectively taking you outside and whipping you with a rope because you <laughs> type something wrong in your CV. Mm. No! Be yeah. nice about this. Oh, I'm, I'm becoming angry about the lack of niceness. Eventually, I'm going to become the person I hate, aren't I, by the end of this episode? No, well, I, I, think, <laughs> I think maybe this is like just shedding your skin of some hate. You know, it's like you've got to check in, shed the skin, and then you'll be on your way, you know, a better person. Let's, let's, let's try that, maybe. <laughs> I think it's always like therapy for people, because yeah. it's turning into this for me. It can be. It varies a bit. Some people are just well up for a bit of a, a verbal scrap, you know, the right. people they put in. Some people find it therapeutic, and uh, some people find it quite difficult, you know. So there's a, there's a range. I think I agree with what you're saying about people just being nicer. It's like uh, my mum loves watching uh, America's Next Top Model, yeah. and they're always saying the same thing, like, in this industry, you've got to be tough, because they will eat you alive. You know, well, well, here's a good place to start. Yeah. Be nice. <laughs> so you're not right for this campaign, but, you know, you're obviously very attractive. Just work on this a bit, and, you know, all the best. Yeah. But, you know, it's just like, we're, we're all awful people. You have to be one too. <laughs> it is excusing. It's giving yourself a reason to be not nice, isn't it? Mm. It's like, oh, I'd love to be a, a, a dick, which is, you know, I guess that's why I'm putting them on these island. But instead of thinking, oh, but that is a dick move, mm. you find your reason, like, oh, well, I, I've got to be a dick to you, so actually I'm not a bad guy now for doing it. And actually, instead of saying, this industry will eat you alive, how about we fire everyone in the industry who would eat you alive and have a nicer industry? Surely there are enough people out there to populate yeah. all the industries without having someone making someone cry in it in an interview. Ah, I agree. And I think what we're doing here is actually laying out a blueprint for a, a lovely future model by, you know, confining these dicks to a desert island. But with me on it, I suppose I'm taking one for you're, the team. You're taking one yeah. for the team, I'm afraid. You'd be sitting there with a flat earther, Mark Sargent, having mm. an argument, and Claude would just be sitting there going, <laughs> every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> now I've heard everything. <laughs> you know, or you would be trying to fetch food, and he'd be like, from that side of the island, in this weather, are you mad? Well, why won't you stockpiling? You and he wouldn't be doing it. He'd just be sort of project managing the whole yeah. time while you're, while you're getting cut in the bushes trying to find firewood and things like that. But yeah, and he'd be at the edge of the island doing effectively what looks like a piece of camera. There's no camera. <laughs> he knows how to frame it, so I'm in the background sawing away at some stuff. And, well, actually, he's made a mistake. In fact, he's gone for those berries. Well, dude, you're not helping, Claude. That's the thing. He's not helping. That mentality in business is not helping. No, I in agree. everyone. It's making the world a worse place. I agree. Okay, well, let's move on to your, your final uh, dick. Um, who's it going to be and why? It's, uh, it's Bruno from um, whatever it's called, the, the dancing Strictly one. Come Dancing. That one. Bruno, uh, Bruno Tonioli. Tonioli. Yeah, and look, I will, I'll lay out my caveat early on this one. If you're going to get trapped on an island with him or me, he's the nicer person. <laughs> Um, in this argument, I know he's a great guy. I've got no doubt that he's a great guy. But I can't stand him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because he can't answer a question without standing up. He's just so 
full it's of... very bouncy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's the extra version. Mm. Now, this is why, over the last couple of years, whilst dealing with, you know, let all the hate go, Steve, be a nicer guy, I've also realised I'm a big old introvert. Did a test at home, which, you know, o- online, on my own. The signs were there, <laughs> right? And I'm an INTJ, and it's made my life make a lot more sense. And people think that the introverts can't be stand-ups because we stand on stage and we talk to people, but it's not like that. I read this book that explained exactly how it feels. The introverts lose energy when they talk with people and extroverts gain energy from being around people. And um, so it means, extroverts, you know, we can talk to you, but at the end of that conversation, we'll probably think you're annoying because it's <laughs> probably just been all you. But uh, he is so extroverted that when I watch him on TV, I can feel my energy go... Mm. they'll say what do you think of that dance and he he can't answer a question sat down he's up he's waving his arms in the air and I'm just like a pool on the sofa I'm just I'm drained I would not last if he was on the island with me yeah I think you're right it's not that he's a bad person it's just how you would mesh with him in that situation in quite a dire situation of course It's, it's interesting to kind of think about because a certain amount is probably a bit of an act, but I like to think about what he's like at home. Is he jumping around that... You know, you oh, just give him a cup of tea and he's all, ah, oh, spilled it again, Bruno. Don't worry, <laughs> I'll make you another one. You know, if, like, if he's into football, you know, watching a football oh, match with yeah. him. Oh, or worse, yeah. I mean, you know, he's obviously he's a dancer, so going to a ballet with him, is he jumping up and down in the middle of an auditorium? Yeah. There you are know. times when one should stay seated. He's yeah. at the end of the world if you can sit down. So I think, yeah, if we were on an island together... Um, well, I'd, I'd kill and eat him. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'm, I'm the bad guy at this one, I'll admit, but I'm more likely to be exhausted by his presence and then also hungry. Actually, not even hungry. I'd eat the other two because mm. of hunger, but I'd eat him first. But even before I was... I could be full on berries. Yeah, I mean, I think... I'd kill and eat him. He'd be bad at conserving energy, so he's likely to go first. <laughs> but I imagine his, his flesh is more sinewy and muscly, so, you know, it's overworked. Maybe, you know, Claude, the businessman, is, you know, he's probably on the edge of gout, so he's probably, <laughs> he's been marinating nicely for years. But, I mean, I think Bruno's going to go first. He has, he's got no reserves to, to work off when he's yeah. hungry. He would be harder to catch, but still, you know, I'm, I'm cunning and I could plan it. <laughs> I could, yeah, it, it is that extrovert. And I'm not saying all extroverts are bad, but it's, it's more like, imagine if your presence drains energy from someone have yeah. a bit of uh, awareness of that and therefore kindness yeah. can sometimes rein it in a bit I do I, I want to do more about this in my life like defending the rights of the introverts mm. because as soon as you're a bit quiet then people start to call you aloof and then all of a sudden you're the problem and it's not helped by the fact that people who keep themselves to themselves only get talked about on the news when they've just gone on a rampage <laughs> yeah it doesn't do our cause good. And, we, you know, we're only like 30% of society, so there aren't that many people that, that could connect to it. Yeah. And you're likely to know an introvert, but you won't know because they won't mention it, and because they're introvert. <laughs> so it is, a, it is a difficult one, but he is he's our nemesis. Yeah, I think, I think the melting pot of uh, personalities you've got on this island oh, would make for a very unpleasant, <laughs> unpleasant time. Um, now, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? So my worst food would be um, macadamia nuts. A macadamia nut. Yeah. A very specific nut. Very, yeah, very specific. And look, what I love about podcasts, we know the rules. Podcasts, mm. you, can squ- you can swear, and you can talk about bowel movements. And here's where we're going on this one. Because I once did a gig, oh man, I remember this vividly. <laughs> uh, I was up in Birmingham, trying to lose some weight always, because that's just one of the things I always have to do. And I was up in Birmingham, did this gig, drove back, when I was living down, uh, down in Hertfordshire, and I stopped on the M1, I thought, no, I won't get chocolate. I'll get some nuts are healthy. And it's probably the first time I'd ever had macadamia nuts. 
And so I had a bag of them. That's pretty much all I ate that day because I was trying to five two or whatever. And uh, woke up in the middle of the night, like shaking, cold sweats, massive headache, uh, such headache, such stomach pain. And then I was very ill in all directions, <laughs> not even just both directions. Somehow I managed to pull out a third direction. <laughs> I, it was unbelievable. And the next day I woke up thinking like, okay, this is, this is bad. Let's Google the symptoms. And it turns out there are no human versions of this. The only thing I found on the internet is if this is why you shouldn't give macadamia nuts to dogs. Right. I've ended up getting the dog reflex to macadamia <laughs> nuts. The only difference is they don't talk about headache because I guess they don't know. Yeah. A, a dog never really goes like, oh. Uh-huh. Um, but they, uh, and also they pant rather than sweat because they don't have mm, right. sweating nuts. But it turns out I had absolutely everything the same, like joint pain and everything. I've got the dog reflex. Like canine anaphylaxis to yeah. macadamia nuts. I mean, it's not even that I've got a nut allergy so I can be that guy and be like, oh, I can't have that. That's nothing. extraordinary. I don't know how this happened. I do enjoy a good walk, yeah. you know, so I've got a lot in common with dogs. <laughs> but I didn't think it would be that. You've got a lovely shiny coat. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> need to buy a new one. But it does mean, look, if I was on this island, the only food was macadamia nuts. Yeah. Bad times. Yeah. Bad times for me and the other three. They don't want to see that. I feel like they're a slightly odd nut as well. They've got a slightly different texture from the rest. It's a bit mm. like... I don't know if this makes sense. It's a bit like the texture of walking on snow, you know, that sort of like weird squelchy sort of crunch. It, there's something that's not quite, it's not like a, a hard bite to it. Yeah. I mean, it's a sort of, I can't quite describe it. It just reminds me of stepping on snow or like crunching um, cotton wool or something. It's something a little bit off about them. But when you get really into the close hand, it's not the first bit of the cotton wool. It's really when yeah, you it's get, that l- it's, it's like, it, it's not as solid as a nut should be. It's mm. way harder than a sandwich. It's in that uncanny valley of foodstuffs. Yeah. It's definitely a solid, but it's acting a bit like a fluid. Yeah, Ooh. definitely. Yeah, they're a very, a very suspicious nut. I mean, I do actually like the taste of them. Mm. So that's the thing. I, it's torture for me, just living in a world where there is a nut that I actually quite like, but I realise I will poop like a Stay dog. away. Yeah. yeah. A, I've a, been in the park. Trying, to, <laughs> trying to snack healthily and I eat a lot of nuts, but you can't eat the fun nuts because they've got salt on them or like sugar and stuff. So you're just eating plain nuts and there's a reason you don't see people eating plain bags of nuts because there's just I mean it's not it's sort of one step up from just bread on its own with nothing on in fact if you've got a bowl of mixed nuts I reckon it's one step above wood yes exactly and you know when your head starts getting tired your temples are sort of (laughs) sore afterwards because all this chewing so yeah yeah, not a satisfying thing to have to live off and Uh, and also macadamia nuts quite likely to be found on a a plane as well so you know yeah which actually it means i need to only fly with people with real nut allergies because then they like they ban it on the whole plane which i'm all for because i I know other comedians have done stuff about you know why why should we not get to have nuts just because they got an allergy in the old days you didn't have a nut allergy you'd eat a nut you'd die you know what i think we could live without these nuts I think, you know, if there's someone on a nut, someone on your flight with a nut allergy, they wheel out the better stuff. That's when you're getting your Japanese rice crackers and the high-grade stuff. Oh, yeah. So I, you know, I've thought of making it up myself. You know, sorry, can't have any nuts. I need really nice snacks that are more interesting. What do you have to do to fake a nut allergy? Is there a bracelet? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Do you just walk up and... Do you need a certificate? I feel like you should. Mm. I'm not sure how you get one, but... Yeah. Well, maybe you could just say in my country it's uh, symbolised by this watch that I'm wearing. <laughs> this, is, this is a sort of nut allergy watch. Um, so that's my proof. Uh, yeah. Give me some snacks. Pulsar means can't eat nuts yeah. <laughs> in yeah. my language. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, what, what drink is... What's the worst drink? Um, it's wine. Lovely, delicious wine. Mm, in yeah. all its varieties. 
Yeah, pretty much, because I'm I'm indifferent to it. Okay. Oh, that's wine. Mm. You know, I'd rather... It's all right. And that is my biggest problem, because this whole culture of wine is built up around it. And mm. like, these days, there are two categories of wine culture. There's social media, it's wine o'clock. That's fine. <laughs> oh. Fair enough. You do whatever you want. If you're going to drink, you don't need to tell the world you're having a drink. But all right. But it's the other side that bothers me, this pretentiousness, this, uh, like, people pretending that they can recognise the difference between wines. And scientists have proved it again and again. Like, there was one uh, where they, by messing with the temperature and doing blind taste tests, they managed to get people to not know the difference between uh, white, rosé and red. Wow. So if you can't tell that... Wow. Don't, don't pretend that you can get the whiff of vanilla petrichor and the, the <laughs> after notes of ennui. Stop it! <laughs> Oh, and so I, I hate it when people say, which wine do you want? I don't know. Yeah. I get that one. I don't care. It's one of those things I think you'd never be satisfied because the more you know, the more you realise there is to know. And every time I think I'm just about getting a handle on it, you know, I'll drink some wine and I'll go, this is what I like. Right, what's this? What have I got to get again to get this same wine? And then I go, OK, it's got notes of blah, blah, blah. It's this grape, it's this country. Get the, another bottle similar to it completely different or I've even taken pictures of wine going that was a really nice one we had at Christmas I'm going to take a picture of that go to the same shop and I was like, this is completely different I looked at the photo and it was one year later and it's oh, just course. a different thing yeah and just you know where's the every other drinks manufacturer you know has managed to get the same product every time but I think it's, it's like a con isn't it they've gone yeah. ah but it's not supposed to be the same <laughs> when everyone else is just striving for like uniformity Every time, this cheese will be the same. Yeah. But with wine, whatever, mate. No one ever gets a Dr Pepper. (laughs) And that's another thing that bothers me, actually. (laughs) That thing. Like, polite society Mm. tends to be all about, you know, using the right cutlery. Because I grew up very working class. Mm. It was was terrifying. So I managed to get to university. I was just lucky because I did sciences and people were just giving places away for sciences. And then all of a sudden I'm in this world of people who know which fork to use and which knife, and I'm, I'm terrified. And then, then wine comes in and makes it even worse. But all the rules tend to be about being polite and more reserved, apart from the wine one, mm. where all of a sudden you're allowed to play with your food. It, why is it I can't blow air through my straw in a milkshake without getting told off? <laughs> I'm yeah. aerating it. That's what I'm yeah. aerating it. <laughs> Get some oxygen in there. Whereas wine drinkers, flobbing all over the place. Yeah, just really swilling it around. Yeah. There's another one I don't like as well. The pressure of... So if ever I try and fake it and go like, oh, I just did that one. I like, yeah, I really like that one. And they bring and they make it taste a little bit. Mm. Oh, don't make me jump through the hoop. This is why I don't order soup in restaurants in case they do the same with that. Don't bring me a liquid and expect me to know what's going on with it. Yeah. I don't want the pressure. Just bring it. And if it's terrible, we'll send it back and it's your fault. I've had it the other way as well, where sometimes if, like, you know, you're splashing out, it's like my wife's birthday, and we went somewhere really nice, and they actually have a sommelier. And it's happened, like, twice. And you've seen it on telly where they, they bring it over and they give you a whole backstory. <laughs> and I've gone to this place, and they've come over, and they've just poured it, and I was like, tell me about the story. Yeah. I want to know that, you know, give me... I want to hear about, like, Pedro, who planted the, the vineyards and... You know, and I didn't even get that. <laughs> Make up the backstory like a X Factor VT. Tell yeah. me the tragedy behind yeah. it. So it wasn't like other grapes at school. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly. Yeah. So it's like, all that pretension. Do you do you buy? It's, I'm getting the vibe that we're not going to agree on this because it seems like you're trying to be more of a wine pretentious person. No, I, I, I've, I sort of I ebb and flow with it. You know, I'd like 
basically what I want to be able to do is get to the point where I can order a wine that I like consistent, consistently. Have you tried lager? I do. I, yeah, I mean, I like... Every time. I, the trouble is, I like most of the, most of the booze drinks. That's my trouble. Yeah. But I just feel that I'm increasingly getting shortchanged. The more I think I know, I'm like, right, Grenache, that's the one I like. I'm getting that next time, and then it's not nice. And I only seem to be able to enjoy it when someone else has bought it. Right. And every time I'm kind of, yeah, I'm going to spend a tenner this time. I'm going to splash it up, not not seven pounds, ten pounds, and I get it home and I and I just feel gypped. You know, that's why no I kind difference. of I want yeah. the consistency. I want to know that that bottle will always be the same for me. Could I'm just throwing out a theory here that if you enjoy wine more when other people are paying for it, I is it that you're tight? Ah, that would make a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah, because yeah. I definitely am thirsty around other people. So. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so there's your food and drink. Now, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? The film was so easy. This is the first one that didn't trigger my try and be less hateful in the world, Steve. (laughs) Straight away, parting shots. Parting shots. Okay, so um, for the people who, who aren't aware of this film... Which us a... should be loads. Yeah. Please don't watch it. This is not one of those where you think, oh, I'm going to find out. So it's directed by Michael Winner. Mm. And what annoys me the most, I remember going to see this years and years ago. It's an old film now. But um, it should be a film I like. The premise is your main protagonist uh, finds out he's got like three months to live. So he goes and kills everyone who's upset him. <laughs> And let's be honest, that's right at my street. Yeah. Right? We've all got the Google document yeah. that lists everyone, and you add to it, and then this is, you know, that's where I It's like the film you. companion for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where, uh, so that should be great. And then there's a few things that go wrong with it. I mean, the, the actual story itself doesn't go down the fun that should be had with that funny premise. Uh, but the biggest problem is the casting. Um, the, the main guy's Chris Rea. Chris Rea driving home for Christmas, yeah. Chris Rea. yeah. The Rodell. That guy. That's insane. I don't... I still can't fathom it. Now, around that time, I guess we had Phil Collins in Buster, so maybe it was like... Yeah, this is Winner's version of that. Yeah, but the difference is... And I don't really remember Buster that well, but I think he could probably act in it. I don't Mm. remember it, but no one said he couldn't act in it. But I'm saying Chris Rear can't act. I looked it up (laughs) on uh, Wikipedia for a little uh, refresh, and it described him as singer-actor Chris Rear. Nope. No. Nope. Singer. And actually, you know... A borderline singer. <laughs> Rude. Yeah. yeah. Sort of deep talker. Yeah. Really. It's not even a lot of range, is it? No. So why would you pick him? <laughs> it's unbelievable. He must have just got drunk with Michael Winner one night or something, had too much claret and just gone, I've got a role for you. So, all right, I'd give, a, give that a go. Why not? Because <laughs> I saw the trailer in preparation for that. I haven't seen the film. Mm. But the trailer, I know this happens sometimes with older films, you know, there's been advances in lighting and sound since Michael Winner's era. But it's like there's shadows everywhere, which I never notice lighting, but it's like it's just one really bright light on them. Yeah. Everything's quite echoey. <laughs> and, and even from a trailer, you can tell how bad the performances are. John Cleese is in it. Yes. And, you know, Let's John, not besmirch him for this terrible work. No, I mean, I've nothing against John Cleese. And he's sort of... I don't know, does he ever really act a role? He's generally sort of a, a silly John Cleese in all of it. Yeah. But He's kind this, of Basil Fawlty and everything. Isn't yeah, he? but this is just unbelievable, the, the, the snippets <laughs> I saw. And then uh, Chris Rear's character needs to buy a gun, so he 
approaches um, Joanna Lumley. Like she's the she's the like the arms yeah. dealer in this. This what is before is she on? knew all the Gurkhas, right? This is before she was tooled up. I can yeah. get you a knife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there was two scenes that I still vividly remember that were that bad. One is so he decides to go on the killing spree and he says to someone, "I want to kill you." And then there's another bit later on. No one ruin it for you, but he has a love interest and he says, "I love you." And the level of acting and the emotion is the same in both. And how can you not at least have a bit of range between those two emotions? Unless I'm missing it. Unless yeah. the point is that this guy can't act. I mean, unless that's the twist. <laughs> it just... It, I, I think I'm going to have to go and watch it now. And I urge people listening to at least watch the trailer. Because yeah. it asks so many questions. You know, you come away more confused after just a minute and a half trailer than, you know, than you'd expect. Yeah. And you kind of think... Yeah, Chris Rea, I mean, for him to be cast in this when there were so many other actors available, or so many actors available. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. but from, the, from, the, you know, from looking at the trailer, it's absolutely not the case. I can't remember uh, some of the reviews, or rather who did some of the reviews, but uh, some of them said it, was the, it had set back British filmmaking by a couple of decades. Some <laughs> said it was the worst thing that's ever been made. And I realised that legally, it's not the worst thing that Michael Wynn has ever done. But it is worth saying, it is a waste of... I love bad films. I will watch terrible films and be like, oh, that's kind of funny, because how bad it is. This is... It's not so bad it's good. It's not so good it's good. It's just bad. It's a waste of my life. And this is what you'll be stuck with on a desert island oh, with the flat earther. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really can create a dystopia, can't I? As soon as I sit down, this I, would be hell. I think you've done really well on this. There's some very fine choices. And uh, what's your least favourite song to be on the island with? Um, Shania Twain's That Don't Impress Me Much. Sorry, <sighs> That Don't Impress Me Much. Yeah. Oh, man. If you can't get the right number of syllables to make a song scan, <laughs> don't just do a uh in there for no good reason. Yeah, and it's a weird one, isn't it? That sort of pop country thing, which I imagine makes you a billionaire in America. I mean, I bet that's just yeah. an absolute recipe for success. But over here, it doesn't quite... It's the sort of thing, you'd go to, like, your auntie's 60th in a village hall somewhere, and they put that on, and the aunties have learned a line dance to it. Oh, Do you know dear. what I mean? You get that yeah. sort of feeling. They're like, oh, here's one. Here's one. Look at this. Oh, look at me. Oh. Yeah. Hey, let's not forget that Taylor Swift was country back in the day, wasn't she? That is true. She, yeah. yeah. She flipped or converted or what the phrase would be. And, and Shania Twain effectively became less country mm. and, and more poppy. And that almost was the problem, because at least with American country music stayed very much in its own little community. Mm. And then, next thing we know, all your commercial... Because I used to work in commercial radio, so I had to sit there playing this nonsense. Yeah. That don't impress me much. And so all of the lyrics bother me, all the way through it. Um, so bearing in mind, you know, I went to university, did the old sciences, and then I come out to this, as a, not a fully-fledged human, but still learning, still <laughs> trying my best to entertain. And Shania Twain pops out the old lyric... So, you're a rocket scientist. What you can be like that for? What yeah. Could, what's wrong with rocket scientists? I mean, maybe not impressed, but at least interested. Yeah. I have some questions. And, uh, I wouldn't dismiss them entirely. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe there's a little, a little moment in this pre-Tinder date, whatever's going on in her life, where a rocket scientist might be thinking, oh, so you're a, you're a country music singer. Mm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why? I get it, it, Who's giving back the most? <laughs> <laughs> it's the dismissiveness that I hate in all areas of, of society. Mm. And this song is just all of it. And there's a bit in there where she says, that won't keep me warm in the middle of the night. You know, if you want someone, you probably understand the laws of thermodynamics. <laughs> Get yourself a rocket scientist. Yeah, exactly. They, they seem very unbalanced, because one of them is, so you're a rocket scientist, that doesn't impress me. But the other one's, so you got a car. <laughs> and you're like, well, lots of us have got cars. I mean, yeah. some would say too many of us. But, you know, you go, rocket scientist, I've got a car. 
you know. And isn't isn't Brad Pitt mentioned in one of them? That's a really weird one, isn't it? I mean, look, so, um, yeah, you're right. Some people, maybe there are too many cars. By the way, they would keep you warm in the middle of the night because yeah. they do have heaters. Mm. Um, but out of nowhere, it just comes out that, yeah, so you're Brad Pitt. Wow, what happened to you, Shania? What? Yeah. Why? It, I mean, I guess that song was very popular in the Aniston household for a while. <laughs> that must have been played on repeat just that little bit. But even there, almost back together or something now. Yeah. So the only hater out there is Shania Twain. I don't know why you've got to make the world worse. Mm. Why you got to hate like that, Shania? Who yeah. hurt you? And was it <laughs> was it Brad Pitt who was studying <laughs> rocket science, having a car, and whichever the other one was? That guy. Yeah, I think that would really great. And it's one of those songs that it's not sort of instantly annoyed like I think you could hear it in the background and not go oh god it's that song but it's just it would grind you down you know and and it's it's quite it's upbeat isn't it it's too upbeat yeah. when you're on the island with those guys that you've picked and Bruno's dancing away to it he's joining oh I love the... this one <laughs> he's straight up there <laughs> joining in with the uh, 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 oh bits yeah Ooh, I mean songs without lyrics as well just noises they bother me here try and teach Ooh. you all the dance to it oh man yeah so you're a so you're a dancer <laughs> don't impress me much great okay well finally the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals which animal is it and why this one was difficult actually mm. because in general I like animals far more than people because mm-hmm. you know they never have any of the maliciousness there is never a moment where an animal looks at you with a, with a face that says you're a rocket scientist mm. Um, which I th- apparently is the biggest slam. <laughs> um, but I'm going to put cats in there. Okay. I am I am a cat person. I used to have a cat. I love that cat. I miss her. When I split up with a, the partner that we, we were together, we had that cat. I, honestly, it's not even a joke that I miss that cat more because I love that cat. Yeah, we didn't break up with a cat. You know, you oh. just were forced to move away. Yeah. And, you know, she kept the cat and it was right because, you know, she could look after it more because I didn't have, really have anywhere to stay as soon as I had to move out. And I wonder what was best for the cat. But it still hurts right there. I miss that cat. Yeah. But even I'm aware that cats, they they are um, so cold-hearted. They are... If they were bigger, we wouldn't find them cute because yeah. they kill anything that moves. Yeah. And we sit there on the sofa going, oh, look, she's got a spider. And that spider must be like, why? I did nothing to you. They just kill. Absolutely. I mean, I have a cat and I, I completely agree with you. They're just cold-hearted killers. Yeah. And the only reason we can keep them is because someone's bred them small enough to not be lethal. Yeah. Because even now, you know, he's a lovely cat, but if he occasionally, if I touch him in slightly the wrong place, he'll go for me. And if he was bigger, I would be dead by now. Never attacks my son or my wife. They're fine. But me, he'll go tear into me. Yeah. I mean, that, at least that's there is a level of emotional connection, at least, you know, if he's physically attacking you, mm. at least he's it's less dismissive than the other thing that cats do. And that's where... Because, like, if you've got a cat, basically 56% of your time is spent internally screaming, why won't you just <laughs> love me? And then there's that... You've got that vibe going on, and you say to the cat, oh, come on, you sit over here, sit next to me. And they look at you where they're clearly thinking, I could sit next to you, or I could lick my own ass. <laughs> and I'm going to lick my own ass. Mm. And then they, every so often, they'll stop and look up and go, I prefer this to you. Yeah. And then just when you think, okay, I've been emotionally abused by this cat. They've done this right in front of me. You don't have to do it in front of me. You don't have to look at me when you're doing it. You've made your point. You are the superior emotional being. I'm desperate for your love and affection. And you're licking your bottom. And then they look up and then just walk off. Yeah. They don't even come and then make it better afterwards. They just, they, they don't need us. No, no. It's, it's that thing of dogs have owners, cats have staff. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just something about an animal that will sit there 
completely asleep for hours at a time, but as soon as they hear like a moth fluttering in a lampshade, they are up there and it must die and they will not rest until there is no trace of it. And anything that adheres to that kind of moral code is is worrying. You know when they catch a mouse and they're just toying with it? Oh, yes. I hold your very life in the balance, (laughs) you know, just batting it back and forward. It's just horrendous. At least in films where bad guys say, like, tell me now and your death will be quick, at least there's a chance your death will be quick. (laughs) Whereas for a cat, no. No, What's the point in killing quickly when I could slowly rip flesh off something? How did, why? Why are cats like that? It's like, because Tom and Jerry, the original cartoons, they're quite violent, right, if you look at them as an adult. But imagine how bad they'd be if Tom won. You know, if if Jerry wasn't, you know, the the crafty little blighter he was getting out of those scrapes, there'd just be just a bloodbath. Yeah, just bits of Jerry everywhere. (laughs) Just the remains of it. So um, my other half's got a... um, Her parents have got a cat. And same thing, all of a sudden, he just walks in one day with, like, most of a mouse. But the mouse's eye was hanging out. And you're like, oh, I forgot you could even do that to a corpse. Oh, man. That's just... That's like... Some re- I'm, I'm recently, I'm watching all the Star Trek Picard stuff. Mm. It's a very gruesome scene where they're pulling out an eye from one of the former Borg. I'm like, that's that's no worse than what that cat did. No, absolutely. Oh. I had um, so so my cat is uh, he's not a great hunter, but when he does when he does bring something in, he's just in it for the chase, and he'll just let it go. And I usually have to recatch whatever it is. And yeah. I can't just put him outside with it to finish it off because he'll just bring it in again. And I have to, so I have to go outside with this Tupperware with a mouse in it, find somewhere, where, you know, where the, my cat won't track it down again. And this, this whole rigmarole ensues. But one day when I was incredibly hungover, my son had been awake since about four in the morning. I was just having a real time of it. I heard something and my cat had brought in a half dead blue tit. And I knew that he would never finish it off, but also this blue tit was never going to make it. And I'm suddenly there, hung over with a screaming baby, having to dispatch a blue... And you know, as an adult, you just go, where are the adults now? Like, why, why is this me? Why have I got to... And it was his fault, and he doesn't even sorry. He didn't even notice. He'd gone on to, you know, like you say, licking his ass by that point. Yeah. What did and you I... do? How did you, how did you do it? Oh, I had to go for a rolling pin in the end. Oh, man. I know, it was awful. To, to hit or roll? What did you... I, I hit, yeah, I hit. I tried to do... I, don't, I might not be able to leave the scene. It depends how screaming people are. <laughs> I won't go through the full details, but, yeah, I had to dispatch with a rolling pin. It seemed like the quickest way. But at least what you did might be emotionally upsetting, but you did it from a place of kindness mm. and mercy, whereas that cat would have been like, pass me that rolling pin, mate. Yeah. I'm not going to hit it on the head. I'm going to take off another wing. Yeah. They are thoroughly evil. I still love them. I still would love that cat back, the evil thing. Yeah, I'm absolutely with it. And imagine on a desert island, you're thinking, right, I'm stuck with these three dicks. At least, oh, I've got a little kitty cat, keep me company, and you'll just be following it round and round the island, trying (laughs) to make it love you forever, (laughs) with Claude looking on sternly. Yeah. What he's doing wrong there is he's trying to get the attention from, why won't you love me, (laughs) you furry little thing? Well, I think you have absolutely aced this process, and... um, You've created a, a horrible island for yourself, but, yeah. um, you know, I think you've nailed it. So thank you very much, Steve, for coming in. And um, where can people hear or see more of you? The, I mean, gigging all over the place. Have a look on the internet and social media and whatnot. Oh, um, the Bash Report is back in April. So right. depending on when you're listening to this, we are, um, there's the TV and it's on the iPlayer for a good long slice of time as well. And also on the, or not the BBC iPlayer anymore, it's the BBC Sounds app. I'm also, I do a podcast called uh, Stephen Allen's Week, where basically, mainly I talk to myself about the news. Great. Yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you very much again for coming in. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers.